This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, July 6th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Some red flags to be aware of when buying a house. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the economy saw a surge in private sector hiring last month. That's according to the latest numbers by the payroll processing firm ADP. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business is Bob Bruska, Chief Economist at Fact and Opinion Economics based in New York. Bob, thank you for joining us today. Uh, This is the the, the latest report on hiring in June from the payroll processing company ADP. Uh, Surprise to the upside and in a big way. Yeah, it's a surprise, kind of shocking. Uh, You know, the last three reports from the ADP are 291, 267, and now 497. and this is during a time where people are talking about the potential for recession. So um, this is not what people were expecting. Now, the ADP report doesn't mimic the uh, the BLS report, the Friday jobs report. Uh, and it's a report for private jobs, not total jobs. Um, but o- over time, the two do tend to move together. So uh, it's hard to know what this is going to mean for the BLS report. But, you know, coupled with the news from Challenger Gray and Christmas, uh, this seems to point to a firmer and not a weaker job market, although jobless claims did uh, did elevate again this, this week. So the, the labor market signals continue to be somewhat mixed, but still more strength than what people had expected. It, it is very important to point out that the uh, ADP report and the uh, d- d- the Department of Labor report that comes out uh, tomorrow morning, uh, they rely on different methodology, and more often than not, those numbers are not necessarily in agreement, which means uh, if ADP says uh, there were 400,000 new hires and change in the month of June, you could be talking about a million new jobs tomorrow morning at 7.30 Chicago time, or a number lower than what we saw today yeah probably lower uh looking at these numbers uh the adp tends to uh overestimate job gains in june so i've looked back at the last seven years and that's uh that's true in five of the last seven years so i i would bet on something uh you know smaller than this coming from the bls but it would still seem to be a reasonably strong number uh that we would expect uh, for friday And certainly not what the Fed is looking for uh, really complicates making monetary policy. And, you know, the Fed is trying to do this 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 new walk on eggshell bit where they want to raise rates just enough and not too much. And they want to slow the economy. They want to get control of inflation. They want to keep the job market at full employment. It's like, you know, good luck with this hokey pokey. The Fed's uh, being called, uh, I think, to, to the table to become more aggressive and to try to stop pivoting around.
Now, at the same time, and, and very quickly here, uh, the, 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 the job market has been strong consistently for the last 18 months or so, and yet inflation has gone from double digits, 10% a year ago, to a north of 4% today. So a strong job market doesn't necessarily correlate to an inflationary environment. Uh, well, you know, Rob, I, I'm going to disagree with you here. Uh, <laughs> what we have is still very high and very stubborn core inflation. The headline inflation has come down because of the volatility of oil and food prices. But the core has been very stubborn. The core inflation rate is still high, and it's not coming down. And you're going to have a hard time getting it down with a tight labor market, especially one where workers are trying to get back the wage gains that they lost uh, when inflation went up. Bob Bruska, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, some red flags to watch out for when house hunting. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Buying a house involves more than just ticking boxes. Joining us to discuss red flags to look out for is Steve Kurtz, Chicago-based real estate expert. Steve, thank you for joining us today. And uh, this is July. This is the... uh, uh, you know, uh, peak house hunting season. The weather's nice. People go out and uh, kick the tires on uh, some potential uh, new places to live. And, and, and what are some of the, the red flags that you should look out for as a house hunter uh, beyond the obvious ones, like, you know, there are holes in the roof and things like that? Right, Rob. I think, you know, the first thing you're going to look at is the curb appeal of a home, and that's that's going to tell you a lot about it. Uh, you're not going to want to see a lawn that's poorly maintained or, uh, you know, sagging roof lines or anything like that. Those big issues are, are pretty easy to spot as you're going around. It's the hidden problems that you want to really uh, kick the tires on, as you say, and in fact, not just kick them, but maybe sometimes take them off and look inside the workings. So for some of that, it's it's simply a matter of getting a closer look at things, not being af- afraid to pry when you're going through the house. Uh, look in the basement, look in the attic, check for water damage, uh, smell, use your nose a lot, smell for water, smell for uh, musty odors, open the closets, open the curtains, and look in the cabinets. You can often see a lot of times of hidden damage to a home by getting inside those things. Also, simple enough of lifting up some rugs. A lot of people use rugs to cover up stuff. Check newly painted walls. If they were painted just to make the place look nicer, that's great. But what if they were painted to cover something up? So a lot of very, you know, uh, simple things, but that'll help you tell a lot about the house. In your experience, do you find that a lot of house hunters are so dazzled by uh, uh, stainless steel appliances and granite countertops and a a pond uh, near the backyard that they overlook some very obvious problems? That's absolutely the case. A lot of people look for a house that they can live in, right? They want to see how the rooms layout, uh, whether the kitchen suits their needs as a cook, whether the bedrooms and closets are big enough. It's a lot of, you know, can I see myself living there? And they often forget to do these more minute details of making sure that the folks you're buying this house from have have it built correctly or rehabbed correctly, who have maintained it 
properly so that when you move in, all those nice rooms are actually going to work for you uh, and, and not cause you to have to put a lot of more money into the house early on. And some of these red flags are rather detailed. I mean, for example, look for poor tiling in kitchens and bathrooms and even uh, potential look for uh, foundation issues in the basement. Right. So that's you can tell a lot by concern. We used to go through on, on home tours, even with new homes, you'd knock on the doors and you tell a lot about whether they're hard, solid core doors or whether they're hollow core door. You can tell a lot about the construction. Look at the at the door frames. Look at the window frames. Open those curtains. Uh, are there are, are they crooked? Are Is there other problems with them? That's the sort of you know, that's that's the sort of detail that can tell you whether the house might be a problem down the line. And then uh, lastly, and I brought up the, uh, the, 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 the theoretical pond in the backyard, and mm-hmm. as, as, as you point out, it may look nice today, but last night when it's raining buckets, it could be lapping at your back porch. Right, and oftentimes you're only going to, you know, get the after signs of that. But uh, for serious house hunters, you know, it's never one and done. You should go back and look at that house if you can in circumstances where it's not necessarily going to be in the best light like you're seeing it when somebody's conducting an open house. Steve Kurtz, Chicago-based real estate expert, thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, adorable but also kind of disturbing stuffed animals equipped with AI will go inside. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A new generation of stuffed animals is now equipped with AI, raising the questions for many parents how to keep your kids safe. Joining us with some advice is Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today, founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com. Thanks for joining us, Jennifer. And uh, the last time we spoke talking about this uh, brave new world of AI toys. We were talking about the uh, new AI-enabled Furby, but that's not the only game in town. Oh, there are so many new AI-powered or AI-enabled toys coming to market from teddy bears out of popular toy maker VTech to already out robots of every shape and size. Um, the little Moxie robot, Mia robot. These are amazing toys. They are the toys of the future, and there's a lot of good about them, including that they can help teach your kids about coding and about different subjects and education. But there is that inevitable creepy side that it's listening, learning, and figuring out how to better sell things to your kids. Right. I mean, outside of that, I mean, as your child speaks to this AI-equipped stuffed animal, it learns more about your child and could eventually carry on conversations with your son or daughter. And uh, all of a sudden, you're living inside an episode of Black Mirror. And uh, But b- before we go there, before we go there, um, it, it's the rule of anything that's connected to the Internet. If it's on the Internet, someone will find it. And uh, that someone may not have your kid's best intentions in mind. So how do you as a parent uh, uh, keep keep the bad guys away? Well, you disable things like cameras and chat functionalities, if possible. That's step one. You enable any and all parental controls on the toys. That is step two. You, you 
are around. You have those toys used in a common family area. Same rule as when your kids first get online and get on computers or smartphones. Always, and this is the one that I am so guilty of hardly ever doing, read the gadget's privacy policy and make sure that there's a way to reset the toy to erase its capabilities and memory. Take those steps even if your kids stop using it because it could still be listening. And this is the same with the Amazon Kids Echo devices. There's ways to better protect yourself and your family, but they're often sort of buried. They're often turned on by default. So it's it's just really important that we stay educated about this stuff. And on top of that, I mean, I, I joked about the uh, the TV show Black Mirror about uh, the downside <laughs> of technology when talking about these AI enabled toys. But our kids are already, you know, they have a, a wealth of 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 toys and distractions and devices that are connected to the internet that do uh, have some educational value. I mean, not too long ago, I was just right. I was blown away by the fact that uh, uh, my oldest daughter was explaining facts about the Mount St. Helens eruption in 1980. Yeah. Like, how do you know all of this? And it turned out she watched a documentary about it uh, on, on an iPad, which is like, hey, great use of the iPad. So what, what are some ways that your children can learn from these AI-enabled toys? Well, the AI-powered toys can learn from their environment. They can respond to voice commands and develop their own personalities. So in those ways, it can make the toy very engaging and very interactive with your child. It also can allow the toys to serve as educational tools that can really help develop critical thinking and problem-solving skills. We're seeing this with the Wonder Workshop toys that help with basic coding uh, the Roy B. Robot, the Smart Kids, they are very interactive. They can suggest songs, play games. The Vector Robot by Anki. Um, these are robot and AI-enabled toys that are out. They can help teach kids to read, learn science facts, learn to code. So there are positives out there. But with that comes these kind of freaky negatives. I mean, I still have the original smart Barbie doll that would take video of kids. Now, think about a Barbie doll taking video sort of nonstop and uploading it to the Internet. I mean, the the uh, the, you know, potential for something to go wrong there is just too vast to mess around with. Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead as Technology Thursday continues, Volkswagen is set to launch self-driving vehicles in Texas. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. 
This is Mike Krauser, a Chicago businessman whose online profile says he donates his money to charities and orphans, is convicted in federal court of defrauding the government. The boil order in suburban Hawthorne Woods is expected to continue through the weekend. Another automaker prepares to start testing self-driving cars, plus new numbers suggest more retirees are thinking about returning to the workplace. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 383 points. The NASDAQ is down 139. The S&P 500 is down 40. We have 79 degrees right now under partly sunny skies. And that's your high temperature for today with the periods of clouds and sun all afternoon, less humidity compared to yesterday. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. A man from Chicago has been convicted by a federal jury of fraudulently obtaining nearly $3 million in COVID relief funds. The details from WBBM's Mike Krauser. 41-year-old Kwamdeen Amuo, described in an online profile as a Chicago businessman who, quote, donates the majority of his money to charities and orphans, was convicted on all 12 counts of wire fraud brought by federal prosecutors. Each carries a max of 20 years in prison. Federal prosecutors said his applications to the Small Business Administration were full of misrepresentations and led to the government being defrauded out of $2.7 million over an eight-month period in 2020. The government seized $120,000 from his bank accounts. Sentencing is set for October. Mike Krauser, 105.9 WBBM. Aqua, Illinois, says they expect the boil order in suburban Hawthorne Woods to remain in place throughout the weekend. They say they're working to get their system's pressure levels to acceptable levels and ensure the safety of their water. The company says more than half their customers are back online. They expect that number to continue to grow if there are no unexpected changes in the system or sudden increases in demand. They're providing bottled water until 8 tonight at the Hawthorne Woods Aquatic Center and plan to continue doing that until the boil order is lifted. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Stocks are trading sharply lower. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business is Chris Johnson, market strategist with the Johnson Research Group based in Cincinnati. Thanks for joining us today. And even though the uh, markets are still uh, considerably lower, they've recovered some of their losses from earlier in the session. So what's driving this, uh, this, this slight change of heart throughout the trading day? Uh, let's just call it a little bit of still guessing what we're going to see on that report tomorrow for the jobs uh, in June, Rob. It's also, you know what, if you think about it, we've entered the most seasonally strong period of the year. That is the month of July. S&P 500 is usually up 2.3% for the month. It wins about 70% of the time. The NASDAQ 100 is usually up 80% of the time for an average return of 3.3. So there's definitely a seasonal tailwind blowing at this market's back. And then when it comes to the uh, jobs report from ADP, of course, uh, you could get a very different number tomorrow uh, just based on the methodology alone. Private sector jobs increasing 497,000 in June. Uh, What is driving that, at least as far as ADP is concerned? Is this uh, just a lot of uh, people getting summer jobs or just another sign that a very strong job market continues to be resilient in, in the face of multiple interest rate hikes? Well, as you mentioned, uh, some people are coming off of the sidelines here, retirees included in that. Um, There have been a lot of headlines saying that the quit working people have quit, quit working. So you're correct about that. There are more people coming into the marketplace. And I think that is because of that persistent inflation, which I do expect we're going to see throughout 2023 to remain exactly that persistent. 
The big area of hiring was in the medical and medical services this time around, which has been one of the areas of the market that's been very quiet. So we've got a lot of people going back to work in the health area. Um, A lot of that seasonal employment that you mentioned, that was done back in February, March, and even April. So we've seen that surge already hit the market. It'll actually start to be a drawdown on the market as we reach uh, August, and then obviously in September as everybody goes back to school. So I don't think this is much of a seasonality employee effect. It's more of a lot more people getting out there and trying to find jobs now. Markets are tumbling today in part, uh, as you mentioned, there are some questions about what uh, tomorrow's Labor Department report uh, will bring as far as uh, hiring in June is concerned and whether or not that means uh, the Fed will hike interest rates once again. Are we at a point, though, where the Fed is going to encounter either diminishing returns from hiking interest rates or uh, running the risk of, of doing some serious damage to the economy? Well, we all know that Chairman Powell has told us that he's willing to kind of bend this economy and even maybe crack it a little bit in order to get to uh, their goal of getting us down to that 2% mark. Now, you have to mark out the fact that we're not the only economy that has got that persistent inflation right now. Um, It is around the globe right now. So coming off of the pandemic, all of these things combined to make that situation where the first 5 6% coming off of the peak was really quite easy. The next 2 to 3% to the downside is going to be hard, especially when you've got people going back into the workforce. And those employers really want to have them out there. Wage inflation is going to stay high right now. So I think you are well pointed out to say that the Fed right now is going to feel as though they're going to push forward with higher rates. And on the other side of that, remember, just what, four or five months ago, we saw the market by way of Fed Fund Futures suggesting that we would see cuts to to interest rates in the beginning of 2024. That number has now been pushed back to September of 2024. So get ready for the market to actually realize that, yeah, the Fed is going to have more of a heavy hand on this market over the next six months. And then uh, once again, uh, the 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 once the, the the heavily predicted recession seems to be pushed down the road once again. When the when the year began, we were talking about a downturn in the second half of 2023, and now uh, if there is a downturn, we're talking next year. Correct, and that's part of the reason why I think the Fed would be willing to raise rates. Remember, Fed's not been in a position to lower rates because they just haven't had that many bullets in the gun right now. They're reloading in terms of what they're going to be able to do when the recession does hit and they need to ease. Keep in mind also, and this is I've got friends that are economists that are much smarter than me, but the recession is a very hard thing to pinpoint. The market's reaction to a recession is a little bit easier. Watch stocks over the next two or three months, because as we roll over into seasonal weakness, you could see that kind of be the catalyst or at least the tell that the recession is really quite closer than we believe. Chris Johnson, market strategist with the Johnson Research Group in Cincinnati. Thank you for joining us. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, Volkswagen self-driving vehicles are set to hit the streets of Austin, Texas. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday on the Noon Business Hour, and Volkswagen is launching its own self-driving vehicle testing program here in the U.S. Joining us now with the details is John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv. 
based in Detroit. John, thank you for joining us today. And uh, tell us all about the uh, ID Buzz electric vans that will be plying the streets of Austin, Texas before too long. Sure thing. So, you know, the ID Buzz, that's sort of the modern day version of the Volkswagen Hippie van, this time all electric. And Volkswagen really needs to get the word out that it's got this vehicle and that it's full of high technology. And so they're adding some autonomous capability to it. And they're going to start testing this out in Austin, Texas to begin with. Now, it will be fully autonomous in the sense that they are going to have a driver behind the steering wheel, but that person's just there for safety reasons. The vehicle can actually drive itself. They plan to do that by the end of this year. And then if it's successful, they hope to take it to other cities as well. Now, when I first started working on this show in 2016, every segment, you know, there the self-driving vehicles were all the rage. Uh, there were, you know, testing was just around the corner. Every uh, vehicle maker and tech company were trying to find ways to get this technology to work. And then it seemed like it kind of went to the back burner for a couple of years as everyone rushed forward with electric vehicles. And now that that particular piece of technology uh, is seeing mass acceptance. Are the automakers circling back to self-driving vehicles, or was that a thing that never really went away? It, you know, it depends. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. In 2016, everybody was pretty sure that it was right around the corner. Well, it turned out that to get to like 97, 98 percent full reliability with autonomous vehicles, I'm not going to say it was easy, but it was very doable. To get that last 1% or 2% is really, really hard to do. And so some companies like Ford and Volkswagen had invested in an autonomous company uh, out of uh, Pittsburgh called Argo. They kind of gave up on that. They're, they're bringing that technology in-house. But others did not give up, and they're making real progress. GM Cruise, which is part of General Motors. Zoops, which is part of Amazon. Waymo, which is part of Google, all have robo-taxis running around in a few cities, San Francisco, Phoenix, Arizona, and in the case of GM Cruise in Austin, Texas, with no driver on board at all. I mean, these things will drive themselves. And so even though autonomy is late to the party, I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see it really ramp up, mainly in the the southern area of the country. You know, they're, they're starting out where it's easy, sunny and warm and all that. And then hopefully it'll get to the snow belt at some point in the future. Now, I did see uh, when I was, I was in San Francisco about a month and a half ago, and I did see the cruise taxis and the uh, Waymo vehicles uh, uh, driving around, no driver inside, which is always jarring to see when the, when the car is out there and, 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 and the only person inside is some guy in the back seat. But San Francisco seems like a good place to put self-driving through its paces just because the geography is so interesting and so challenging with the hills and the turns and things like that. Austin, Texas, obviously, uh, you go there because it's a tech hub. But if the weather is favorable and the, and the, and the geography is flat, are you really testing these cars out? Well, look, you know, the, the, yes, yes, you are, because you got to test them in all different kinds of places. And uh, like you said, Austin's a tech, hu- a tech hub. Uh, there were already people from Argo AI that were operating there. You know, now Volkswagen's using those people in Austin. So like I said, they're going to stick their toe in the water here and there. And as they get more confidence, they're going to really start to ramp this up. 
I think next year you'll really start to see from GM Cruise and from Zooks vehicles that were designed from the get-go to just be autonomous, you know, where you have uh, facing seats that can sit six people that can face each other, no steering wheel, none of that, that, that kind of stuff. So like I said, it's, it's been slow coming to that last 100% of full autonomy. Now, this is all geofenced, too. You know, they only operate in a geofenced area. But over time, Rob, we're going to see them move those geofenced posts farther and farther apart. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, some things to consider before unretiring. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. New numbers show one in six retirees are considering unretiring. Joining us with things to think about before making a comeback to the workplace is Tony Ogoric, founder of Ogoric Wealth Management in Buffalo, New York. Tony, thank you for joining us today. Uh, before we talk about uh, things to think about when you unretire, why are people unretiring? What are some of the reasons? Well, Rob, uh, some of the reasons would be, uh, first, they may be bored because they spent more time, uh, you know, thinking about how much money they're going to save rather than what they're going to be doing with their time. Second, uh, some people may have had a, uh, you know, a little income pinch. Uh, third, they may have had uh, unforeseen medical issues that have come up. Or fourth, uh, they may have had a spouse um, who they have to take care of and uh, requires additional income. And then when you when we talk about unretiring, it's not necessarily going back to your old office and your old job and your old cubicle and giving back all of the happy retirement presents to your uh, right. once and future coworkers. Uh, there are other ways in which you can unretire. Right, and you know some people will unretire uh, and and volunteer because they say, you know, before I was selling my time, I was selling uh, my days for dollars. Now that I have enough dollars, maybe I can volunteer and. Uh, give some of my knowledge away to people, um, you know, without, uh, you know, being concerned about the monetary aspects. Other people may just want to do something where they don't have to think as much. Also, um, you know, they may want to just be working part-time or on an occasional basis, especially if they have uh, vacation properties. And maybe you could find yourself in a situation where you have a, a post-retirement job that gives you some sort of benefit because uh, I do know some people who uh, one person works for an airline on a part-time basis, and as a result, they can travel for free. Uh, another person works at a golf course on a part-time basis, and they can golf on the day the club is closed. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's really an allocation of your time for many, many people where it just happens to fit in their schedule. For some people, they say, look, I love what I did. I just don't want to do it as much. So they go part-time. Other people say, you know, maybe I just want to be a starter, like you said, at a golf course, or I have some other perk, and that really fits into my lifestyle. It sounds like if you're going to unretire, you need to have that same process of self-examination that led you to retire in the first place. I would think so. And, you know, some people have to, what they don't appreciate is that their social life revolved around the job. And now that they're, they're retired, they're out of that, you know, they're looking for a new social circle, you know, which may be, um, you know, certain clubs, it may be a certain sport, uh, maybe a retirement community, uh, or maybe a volunteer organization. 
Tony Agoric, founder of Agoric Wealth Management based in Buffalo. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.